Fandom University. Every other week, we deep dive into the topics we love and obsess over. Comics, novels, movies, sci-fi, and video games receive the elevated discourse they deserve. With your overworked TAs, Sean and Sergio. Hello, all you deviants and all you celestials out there. Welcome to the newest and greatest episode of Fandom University. My name is Sergio. My name is Sean. This weekend, this this episode, we will be talking about the Eternals, the uh, not very well-known comic book property from Marvel created by Jack Kirby that is getting a brand new movie that is part of the absolute juggernaut that is the newest installment of the absolute juggernaut that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's uh, it's a bit, uh, not shocking, but puzzling, uh, perplexing. It's an other unusual words, choice. Yeah. Other words that start with the letter P. <laughs> um, because it's I, being as big comic book fans as you and I are, uh, we, I don't, I, at least I don't know I know next to nothing about Eternals. Yeah, I, I was aware of them just by virtue of um, being, a you know, a lo- not not a huge Jack Kirby fan, but somebody who kind of read through some of his work because Grant Morrison's such a fan. Um, I was aware of them, but I'd never read them before we sat down to do this arc. No, absolutely. Yeah, like yeah, there's, there's passing familiarity with them, uh, but you know, like just like you have never read one of their comics, and that's mostly because they don't really have too many comics of their own to read, which is another thing that makes the idea of uh, that, you know, Disney and Marvel uh, making a, an Eternals movie that much more uh, baffling. Yeah. Yeah. It's an intriguing choice, right? Like I actually, I did like an informal poll on a Twitter, like, last week i think just asking because the closest thing i could Uh, think the most scientific of polls yes exactly the the informal twitter poll right uh just asking people because i was trying to think of analogs in marvel history because marvel has this history uh, the mcu has this history of taking um you know i mean iron man was a b-lister before robert downey jr played him like people didn't i mean we knew who Iron Man was, but most people didn't. But, and Guardians of the Galaxy were relatively unknown. But Guardians have a, apparently a much longer, more detailed history in Marvel. Like they've been around longer, I think. Yeah, much. Yeah, they've been around about 10 years longer and have appeared way more times. So, like, I would say even Shang-Chi was better known than the Eternals, or at least uh, appeared more frequently during his heyday. So, it, it really is interesting. It's I so. Mean, it, all told, uh, as far as uh, comic book comic books like un, unto themselves, like Eternals comic books, there's not even a hundred of them in, that have been that have been written that have been published, uh, and so it, it is it is a little strange that you um, you not not necessarily kick off uh, phase four, but you know the the uh, main uh, a main part of the the next phase of the MCU is centered in this in this property that doesn't have a whole lot of history 
I guess, like, uh, like concrete history behind it. I mean, there's a lot to be mined in it, which is like, you know, uh, I'm guessing like what is so uh, appealing to to them. But uh, but as far as actual like storylines, there's not a whole lot. I mean, even even I like you said, Iron Man's a B-lister. There's still he still has he's, he's had his own book as long as he's been a character. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he debuted in Tales to Astonish, quickly started Iron Man and has been plugging along with at least Iron Man ever since, if right. not, you know, a couple of other secondary books and also his involvement with the uh, with the Avengers. You know, Eternals doesn't have that. Eternals uh, and then, uh, and then well, you know, going back to Iron Man, like you have like Demon in a Bottle, you have all sorts of um, storylines that can be like at least not if not directly adapted, at least like um you know, touched upon, hinted at, right. like, um, Eternals doesn't have that. Eternals, like, you know, Jack Kirby's original run was 19 issues. And ever since then, it's had uh, 12 issues, seven issues, nine issues, uh, and, and, and one shots. And there's a current, uh, current series going on right now that's six issues in, obviously, because of the movie, I, I can't imagine, uh, you know, uh, a store, uh, a series starting up without without the the benefit of a movie coming out behind it yeah there's a pretty big gap between um volume four and volume five so the 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 the, before the current book the last book ran from 2008 to 2009 so it's been over 10 years since they last tried to give the eternals their own title no yeah and it's and it's they seem to do it like once a decade like it started in the (laughs) 70s and then they tried it again in the 80s and then they tried it again in the 90s and then they tried it twice in the aughts, you know, uh, like they even brought in Neil Gaiman, uh, which, I mean, if you're going to use any comic book writer, if you're going to use the, the reputation of any, any comic book writer to sort of elevate a title, you know, I would guess Neil Gaiman's would be pretty much uh, top three. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and even, and even, uh, and even he couldn't uh, really get them over that hump, but uh, for this episode, we'll be discussing the the seventies and eighties and nineties uh, comics that came out. Uh, for the first, second, uh, for the second part of the arc, we'll be discussing uh, the aforementioned Neil Gaiman arc, as well as what's come after and what's going on currently, as well as the movie. Because uh, as of this recording, the movie comes out. Actually, I'll be watching it in forty eight hours. And I'll yeah, I'll uh, I got a little traveling to do this weekend, so I'll be watching it when I get back. But I honestly, I'm. I'm just going to say it. I'm, I know we have some mixed feelings about the books, but I'm, that's just made me more curious to see the movie. Um, I, I don't know if my feelings are mixed. I would say my feelings are pretty much that I'm not a fan. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fair, fair. Um, Uh, Your feelings are definitely mixed. Like uh, you, (laughs) throughout this, uh, throughout the prep, throughout like the, the research period of this episode, uh, I, I kept getting texts from Sean saying like, oh, this shit's really good. This shit's like, like really intriguing. Like the ideas that are coming out and the, what this, what this author is doing with it. Like uh, this is in my wheelhouse. I mean, like I can understand it not being like everyone's coming to you, but I'm, I'm digging it. I mean, but to be fair, that came later. Like in the early issues, I was like, this shit is rough. Yeah. Um, well, let's just, let's, let's go ahead and let's dive into that. So Jack Kirby, uh, you know, helps, uh, essentially create almost every um or many of the beloved characters that marvel has today with alongside stanley leaves marvel in 1970 
to work for their competitor, DC Comics. Uh, there he develops and creates the new gods, um, Dark Side, uh, uh, Orion, Orion, Mr. All, Miracle. Yeah, yeah, all that, all that stuff uh, is that you may know from DC Comics is a, is a Jack Kirby creation. He does that for six years, comes back to Marvel in '76, and essentially, um, in my opinion, sort of recreates that sort of idea in Marvel with the with the Eternals, the Celestials, and the Deviants. Yeah, I, I would agree with that 100%. I, this feels like, um, so the, the New Gods books, I think there were like four of them that were cycling. Like he was, I don't know if they were all coming out at the same time, but like they were all part of this bigger saga that he was weaving that he was writing and drawing all of, which is kind of amazing. Um, but they all got canceled uh, long before he got to finish. So basically he comes over and starts all over again with like, kind of the Kmart version of the new gods, I would say. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. With a little bit more uh, unintentional racism. Yeah. There's um, so the basic plot of Eternals is that you have these um, like ancient, uh, almost omnipotent beings known as celestials that have seeded, uh, that have seeded life on earth. They've created uh, uh, they've, they're responsible for creating uh, humanity, like mankind as we know it, right? They uh, they showed up on on Earth and there are monkeys, and they wiggle their magic fingers and the monkeys become humans. Uh, and in addition to the to the to create mankind, they also create uh, Eternals, which are um, known as like like Homo uh, Eternalis. I think so. Yeah. So like they're think of it sort of like you know mutants like homo superior superior against you know homo sapien you've got these homo eternalists they are immortals they are uh they have powers they uh are very they are described many times as sort of like the as uh humankind like uh perfected right right um then but they also goof up oops you know, that's, uh, you know, can't uh, make an omelet without cracking a few eggs. Uh, the Celestials also managed to create this race known as the Deviants, which um, I guess there's a, you know, some Mountain Dew spilled in the, uh, <laughs> in the, uh, in the beaker. In the baby batter. In the baby batter. And these, uh, these, uh, these, um, this race is, um, they're mutated, they're, they're monster-like. And because it, uh, I guess like the, the, the DNA or whatever is, is so volatile, um, it, it's changing. So you could have some that look like uh, like Killer Croc and some that look like Sauron. Right. And so it's all it's all manner of, 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 of ghoul and goblin over there, right? And, uh, but yeah, so like the, the accidental racism comes in with uh, Kirby's inclusion of the Inca civilization and sort of this ancient astronaut theory uh or the 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 like um like him using what's known as ancient astronaut theory which is the idea we we touched upon this in the uh, in the alien arc this idea that um that aliens are responsible uh either directly or indirectly for many of the uh architectural and uh, accomplishments of non-white indigenous cultures so uh, they built the the pyramids in Egypt they built 
the uh, ziggurats in uh, in Mexico with the Aztecs or in South America with the with the Incas, and and that's problematic, absolutely problematic to right. minimize a culture's uh, accomplishments by saying like, "There's no way you could have done that. It had to be aliens." Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. You know the 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 Wikipedia page mentions um. Eric von Daniken's Chariot of the Gods, which yeah. was sort of um, a very popular book at that point. And from what I've read, I think Jack Kirby was definitely, he didn't believe in it, but he was, he thought it would make for a good comic book. Uh, so it was definitely like on his mind. Yeah. And uh, his granddaughter described him in an interview as a liberal Democrat. And so like going off of her description of him and what you know what would entail in a you know someone being a liberal democrat you could assume that they held like liberal points of views in terms of of race and racial equality and all that and so you could extrapolate that into he probably didn't mean any harm by this yeah yeah i i would i i firmly believe that because this is the co-creator of captain america you know, and this is uh, whose first, I think, comic book appearance. The cover features Captain America punching Hitler in the face. Punching Hitler in the face. If so, only every number one comic book issue could feature that somehow for right? some reason. <laughs> even even comic like Looney Tunes comics somehow like stuff for little kids who wouldn't even know who Hitler is. But just uh, uh but you know that sort of uh. That I, you know, so it's, it's unintentional. We can assume it's unintentional, but yet it's, uh, that's, it's a, that's a problem. At least it has been in, in genre of taking this, you know, cool idea, like, oh, that, you know, that's a neat idea. And like, we talked about that when we would, when we discussed it, like I said, in the alien arc with Paul W.S. Anderson using it in Alien versus Predator Requiem. You know, Anderson doesn't have, when it comes to filmmaking, he doesn't have a deep thought in his entire body. Nope. It's very superficial, very shallow. Oh, that's cool. That would make for a cool idea. That would make for a cool visual. Let's do that without thinking, okay, what does this mean? Like, let's go ahead and, and unpack this whole thing and figure out what it means on a, on a larger scale and see if that's an idea that we want to get behind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Kirby probably put more thought into it. But again, like this is 45 years ago. So I, my guess is that it never even occurred to him, like, you know, that, that, like, I, I feel like Kirby is a more thoughtful artist, but, you know, was like all of us trapped in his time and place. And, you know, we have the benefit of hindsight and, and cultural development conversations that he didn't. Um, so that is an interesting thing because i I was very drawn to this idea of the celestials and just like in Prometheus, I love the idea of the engineers and like, you know, the, the, this idea of religion and science fiction kind of co-mingling. Um, and one of the questions I, I had asked you, you know, um, cause I, I think you've, you've, you're a little more articulate on the subject. You've read a little bit more, you know, a little bit more is if it's possible to do the ancient astronaut story without it being racist. Um, and so I think what you said, well, I'll let you go ahead and. Well, um, I remember you, you brought up Prometheus and you're like, like damn, do I have to like stop liking Prometheus? 
but you know the um what prometheus does does like they just presuppose the the seeding of life by an ancient or by a an ancient extraterrestrial civilization you know they they're not responsible for what that for what life they've seeded what they end up doing you know where you know the ancient astronaut theory like you know plainly states like you know these accomplishments are the result of you know extraterrestrial in, uh, involvement right you know without that they wouldn't be possible and so like i said that you know that is problematic because it minimizes you know those accomplishments it minimizes like you know if, if you were to argue that uh, aliens came down and built the pyramids it minimizes the accomplishments of the ancient egyptians who figured out all you know without a damn ti-83 <laughs> How to build pyramids, you know, and and you know, uh, uh, bulldozers and cranes. How to build build pyramids? Yeah, um, without cars, without motorized vehicles of any kind. And so, to, I mean, it would have to be, it would have to be nuanced for sure. It would have to have a different slant on it, rather than just this civilization showing up and. And, and and doing this for these cultures, you know, an exchange of ideas, like, you know, um, helping, you know, doing something. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that there is, but as, you know, as it's been done, the, the theory, like I said, is problematic at, at best and just downright racist at worst. And I'm, I'm curious to see how they attack this in the new movie, which is directed by, you know, uh, a woman of color and features a much more diverse cast than the original comic book suggests. Um, and I'm wondering if that by itself, like having, you know, like Ajak being the, the, the eternal who was worshiped as an Incan God. And of course looks white as hell in the Jack Kirby books, you know, but having him be played by, um, Oh, I forget. Um, oh, Selma Hayek. Selma Hayek plays, yeah. 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 Plays Ajax in the, in the movie. Like, does that by itself fix it? Or is that just a bandaid on the same problematic concept? Like, is it okay if they were worshiped as gods, if they actually looked like the people that they were walking among? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I mean, that's something that, uh, that we'll have to see when the movie comes out, what, you know, how they do tackle it. And, um, I'm sure that I'm sure they've got something figured out, you know, whether or not it works is, is remains to be seen, but, um, like I'm hopeful, at, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, you know, like I, I'm reading these comics from the seventies that Jack Kirby wrote and drew. And I'm thinking like, I mean, this is, this is a product of its time, you know, even uh, even from someone who is described as as a liberal Democrat, uh, you know, there's still issues to be had as far as um, uh, inclusion and 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 whitewashing. Um, but beyond that, just the uh, the mechanics of it, like the execution of it, I don't know if it's. I haven't read too many old comics. You know, I haven't. You know, that's one thing that. Uh, I don't know if that, you know, if, well, I mean, do, do mediums really, you know, for, cause everyone always says like, oh, they don't, you know, the music back in my day, the music, you know, those were those, that was great. 
Well, I mean, like you listen to classic rock and they only play the good stuff. You know, they right. don't play all the <laughs> shit that no one remembers. They only play like the Eagles and the Beatles and the shit that everyone, you know, almost universally you know, adores and is acclaimed. Uh, is I wonder if, if, if comics is the same way because I, I didn't enjoy this. I could understand the, um, like I could appreciate the ideas behind it and what I was trying to do and could definitely see, okay, I could, I can, I can picture 10 year old comic book, you know, creator, you know, 30 years in the future, reading this, reading a copy of Eternals number four and thinking like, gee whiz, this is really cool. Like, and like, you know, some like John Carter of Mars shit, like, you know, from, you know, that Burroughs did back in the day and so that sort of uh, launched a thousand, you know, fantasy sci-fi tropes. Careers, like, yeah, yeah, sci-fi <laughs> careers. But in execution for me, it's just, I don't know if it's just uh, because of it's, uh, because of the era that's in. I don't know if just, but I've, I've read comics from the 70s that, that seemed all right, that like weren't so pedantic. Well, so yeah, I would say that even though these books were coming out in the mid 70s, uh, they still feel to me very much 60s. And okay. I think that's Kirby sort of not, changing with the times necessarily um and also i i may catch flack from this from the kirby faithful out there i do not think kirby was an especially gifted writer i think he was an amazing artist i think he was a groundbreaking pioneer but i don't think he was great at dialogue i think he was a wonderful visual storyteller but i just don't think he was I think that that combo between him and Stan Lee was, was something really special. Like, I think they balanced each other very well when they were doing their best work, like the fantastic four. Um, so yeah, I, I, even as somebody who has like worked his way through, you know, some of the fourth world omnibi, uh, and they were work even by standards of like Kirby apology. This is really, I would say minor, minor Kirby, um, which is, it, it's, it's interesting. And it's almost like I've got this thesis and maybe we won't see it borne out until like we finish the art because we haven't finished reading the books yet. And we haven't seen the movie, but I have this idea that people keep grabbing onto it because it's this one like Marvel Kirby property that no one has been able to do anything with. Um, you know, or has been able to make stick. So all these writers are like, oh, this is fertile ground. I can take this. I can turn it into something. I can like Frank Miller's daredevil this. Um, but I don't know if there's enough there or there. Like there are some ideas in these books that I find absolutely fascinating, but I don't give a fuck about any of these characters, <laughs> like at all. Um, well, that's, yeah, that I mean, that sort of leads into our next point of like the the overall sort of like flimsiness of 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 this property. You know, like we discussed at the beginning, there's but maybe seventy total issues that bear the Eternals' name in some way or another. Right. You know, not including any appearances in, in Avengers or in Thor or in What If. Uh, like actual Eternals comics, Marvel's only seen fit to publish fifty to seventy of them, and and not like all together. Like they like like we said, like they tried for a couple of years with Kirby. Like you know, like OG, uh, you killed that in two years, less than two years. Brought it brought it back in the eighties, 
Uh, that lasted a year. And in fact, uh, Jim Shooter, who was the editor in chief at the time of uh, Marvel, he, uh, the writer, Peter B. Gillis. That's right. I'm uh, sorry. The writer, Peter B. Gillis, was fired eight issues into a 12 issue miniseries and replaced uh, with Walt Simonson. So it's almost like it's cursed, uh, which is crazy to me. I can understand if it's an uh, ongoing and, you know, eight months in, like, hey, this isn't working out. The sales aren't where we're at. The story isn't hitting the way we wanted it to. We're going to move on. But you've definitely got like a finish line in view, <laughs> like 120 days away. And you're like, ah, no, let's just go ahead and get Walt in here. Yeah, I, I feel really bad for Peter B. Gillis because in the, uh, he also writes the introduction to the trade collection of this miniseries and like is really upbeat and positive and like, you know, like really has a lot of nice things to say about everybody who worked on it. And I didn't know he'd been fired. I, what I, when I was reading the series and I noticed that his name wasn't on the written by box on the masthead anymore, I was just like, what the hell happened? And uh, yeah, so like that must be pretty bittersweet having to write an introduction to a trade to a story you didn't get to finish, which is also very appropriate for the eternal since it was an epic Kirby never got to finish. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, it's, I mean, is it the idea that, that in, in and of itself is flimsy? Is it the fact that, you know, like you said, is it, is it the sort of um, code that has to be cracked that, you know, um, because obviously they've been around for 50 years. You know, if, if the powers that be didn't think that there was something to be mined from it, it A, wouldn't continue, they wouldn't continue trying, you know, decade right. after decade. And two, they wouldn't be making a freaking movie about it, you know? Yeah, I, well, so... I think I, I wonder, and I, I don't have the definitive answer on this, but I do wonder if it's something to do with the fact that the characters just don't pop. Like what Marvel does best and has always done best is character work, right? Like yeah. they're, you love Spider-Man. I mean, his powers are really cool and the costume looks great, but what really matters is you care about Peter Parker. Like you really want things to go okay for him and are just perpetually, it, he's like Charlie Brown in a superhero costume, you know, like <laughs> dude just can't catch a break. Uh, that's part of why we love him so much. Um, and the Eternals don't really, there's not a lot of dynamic character work in the Kirby books. The closest you get is there's sort of a forbidden love story going on between a deviant and Thena, the warlord crow, the pink guy, and Thena, who's sort of the, the daughter of the, um, the main Eternals or the, the, the King Eternal Zurus, but that never really quite goes anywhere, at least not in the Kirby run. Uh, but that's the, that's the closest you get to like some real conflict. Uh, otherwise it's a lot of, I don't know. It's, it, it just, the, there's not a lot of interesting character dynamic there. Like there's not much interesting conflict. There's not. Well, I mean, that's, that can't be hard to imagine seeing as how these these are near godlike immortal beings. So like, you know, it's not, you know, a struggling college student slash photographer who can't make rent uh, in Peter Parker or, uh, you know, uh, uh, hated by society, uh, mutant who 
doesn't remember his past, like Wolverine. Right. You know, there's like you said, uh, Marvel uh, really um, succeeds in their character work, and be- and because they we were able to relate to them in some way or another. You know, uh, yeah. X. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say Thor is a good example of how to do that godlike character because like he's there's constant family drama between him and Odin like those two are fighting all the time and his brother yeah yeah and his brother like it's there's there's no matter what else changes those three are always going round and round and that's sort of the engine that powers that uh story and I don't think that I I don't know that Kirby had that like in mind or understood that maybe he needed it or maybe he's going for a different flavor altogether and it just doesn't pop the way he wanted it to you know like just sort of like that idea but like on a cosmic level but you know yeah it just doesn't really work in terms of what was expected uh in in the in the marvel sort of uh, uh framework you know we're expecting you know, the, the superheroes, the super uh, heroics, the, the spandex, the powers, but also uh, the, the soap opera, the soap opera, the, 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 the day in day out sort of grind that we're also that, you know, as, you know, lowly humans uh, are also, you know, subject to. And that was another thing too, is that uh, Kirby didn't, nece- didn't, not necessarily, he didn't want this in the Marvel universe at all. This was supposed to be completely separate from the marvel universe i didn't know that that's interesting yeah he uh he he just wanted this story to be in and of itself and at a certain point marvel's like hey you know you're gonna have to like tie this into comics somehow (laughs) like uh and it's probably around the time that they were like hey uh this book isn't really selling too well let's you know throw the hulk in there and uh (laughs) and they do but then they end up it's like a robot hulk Oh, that was a bad issue. Yeah. And so, and that lasts for three issues. That fight. And so, a lot of uh, a lot of its most interesting, the a lot of the most in- more interesting aspects about Eternals, actually come up uh, as a result of them getting tied into the Marvel universe somehow. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I I struggled through the first nineteen issues. Um, I, I liked some of the stuff it was doing formally and visually. I thought it was really interesting in a lot of ways. Um, but once the Eternals gets canceled, Roy Thomas picks up the characters the next year in um, in a pretty epic Thor storyline that goes on for like 17 issues, I yeah, want to say. over I mean, a year. Yeah, it, it ends with issue like 302 and basically uses the Eternals to sort of like thread first of all he starts advancing their plot and like tying up some of the loose ends from the main book but he also starts tying them into the larger cosmology and this is where i got really excited because once you get into the religion and the cosmology of the marvel universe i'm just like holy shit tell me more i want the marvel (laughs) book of genesis um and so like seeing how odin ties into this and it's this really complicated like continuity intense story that goes on for issues and issues that I still couldn't really explain to you. I need to read it another time or two. Um, It's continuity porn, essentially. Like there are several issues where Thor is literally standing still and being told this story by Odin's like disembodied eye, the eye that Odin lost is like, here's what you don't know. And (laughs) this goes on for like a year, Um, which 
as a as an artist, uh, as as somebody who also just loves comic books and loves how insane they can be, like I, that's kind of a baller move, like just to no, take an yeah. entire year of Thor and be like continuity porn. I mean, yeah, like you know, lore is is one of my favorite things. What in in any like in sort of like anything that I love, like um, like I'm a huge fan of the Elder Scrolls games, and I will literally like read the books in game because I, I love the lore so much. And I'm the same way with comic books. Like they, you know, um, that's, that's really when, like you said, to be like, it really starts to get interesting is when they tie, when they sort of Jeff Johns it uh, all together, you know, Jeff Johns from DC comics is, uh, is best known for being able to like put the continuity together in a way that makes sense. You know, yeah. I, think, I think, you know, what you what you say about his his technical writing ability, uh, you know, can vary, but that's really where he shines. You really can't argue that he's that he's able to take these really obscure pieces of continuity and 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 sew it into what's going on right now. And that's, you know, uh, that was what was going on in that era of Thor is they were weaving the Eternals and the Celestials and the Deviants into the Marvel Universe proper in a way that was that made sense and also was very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I think Roy Thomas is sort of the prototype of Jeff Johns. Like uh, to me, that's when, I mean, the Stanley, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko era, I mean, it's classic. It's great. There's so much to recommend it. But once that second generation of Marvel writers hits, when you've got like Mark Grunewald and Roy Thomas, these guys who've been fans from the beginning, but like it, it, it's more than just a job to them. It's like a passion. It's a thing that they right, already right. loved. And suddenly they're like, okay, well, what if this is connected here and this is connected here? And that's where I really feel like the Marvel universe really comes into its own. Um, like beyond, I mean, I think the, the originators put all the building blocks there. Like they, they, the, the, the books were connected. They were, you know, it, it's not like this stuff didn't exist. It's just, it becomes so much more cohesive um, and epic, it starts to feel, I think this is where like you start to, where young readers like ourselves start to become almost religious devotees of this lore, right? Because right. it becomes like, almost like its own like pop gospel, you know, like, and that's, that's the stuff that gets me excited about the Eternals is like finding out how the Celestials are interacting with Odin and what that has to do with it and why there's a Hercules and an Icarus in the Marvel universe, but then there's also Icarus of the Eternals who was worshiped as a God, you know what I mean? Like, uh, but isn't the same Icarus, you know, and they find a way to make that make sense. So that's, you know, that, that's what works about Eternals that, you know, that those ideas and, and how, how they work within the framework of the Marvel universe. And like you said, those, um, like those second generation writers, like taking what the taking the foundation of what was laid down uh, by Stan Lee, by Steve Ditko, by Jack Kirby, and running with it. And I think that that's a testament to the the strength of those characters that they were able to um, that there's the you know obviously they're still around. They're still around, you know, over half a century later. But even back then, they're already being able, to, they're very malleable and able to adapt to the times. Um, but, you know, Eternals is, is also slightly different because they 
they needed something like this all happens in in issues of thor right it doesn't happen in an eternals comic and then you know they they try they try it again in the 80s and that also that also fails and you know so they're they're relegated to you know guest appearances in the avengers or what if and it's not until you know the the 2000s that neil gaiman uh, takes a crack at it that uh that everyone thinks that this is going to be it but you know up until then you know they were sort of uh C property. I mean, if you want to say Iron Man was a was a B lister, Eternals are definitely definitely C lister. So, yeah. Based on on that, like this premise that we have, you know, what about it? Do you think will translate to a mainstream Marvel Cinematic Universe movie? Like, what did Disney and Marvel see in this property? that made them think like this is going to be worth investing hundreds of millions of dollars into. It's sort of tricky, right? I mean, I, I think the idea of, I mean, the, I think there's a central conflict in the Eternals that's more interesting than Eternal versus Deviant or whatever, which is all of these creatures enthralled to these giant unknowable, like robot Cthulhu's essentially, right? Like these right. ancient, things that they don't understand that put them here and have come to judge them and they don't understand why or what it means or what they're supposed to do. And to me, that idea seems like very potent ground for drama. I don't think that the comic, at least the original Kirby run, um, or even even the, the, the 1980s run didn't really deal with the Celestials that much, I don't think. Um, they dealt with the sleeping Celestial, but not the others. They were, they'd already fucked off into space, I think. Um, so I, I think that might, there might be some, well, I'm wondering too, uh, tell me what you think about this. You know, I was thinking about the, the 2011 Marvel movies, right? You get the first cap, the first Thor and neither, they both made money, but neither were like, they didn't really pop huge, not like Iron Man. But then when the Avengers comes out, suddenly those movies, I feel like got a warmer post you know, retroact, especially the first Captain America got like a boost. And then when the second Captain America came out and was really good, you know, like Avengers good, like that franchise suddenly became like, so I'm wondering like if Marvel is in sort of a, like in sports terms, you know, they have years where they're just building a team almost yeah. like they're not expecting to win championships. They're just laying the groundwork. So I'm wondering right. if this somehow figures into Marvel's like groundwork for what's coming next, their next big threat, the Celestials and the the history of this universe maybe that I don't know. that's definitely a, a point that I wanted to bring up is that this might not necessarily make sense right now and and based on the current reviews the early reviews of the movie it is right now uh, a it's a, a rotten uh, it's rotten score on Rotten Tomatoes it's what fifty nine percent it's like the that, yeah. the the lowest rated Marvel movie uh, of all of them all, even worse than uh, than Thor Dark World, which is by and large seen as the worst Marvel movie ever. Right. Uh, Eternals has now taken taken that spot. And so I don't know if it's going if they're uh, if this is going to be just a giant miss, like a, a, a giant whiff for Marvel, or if this is just something that they 
like you said, they're, they're planning ahead. And so they have to make this move. They have to, you know, hit, you know, this, this, you know, uh, this button, this lever so that something else can happen later on, which will end up, you know, they sort of got to take this hit, take this L so that they can take the bigger W in the future. Uh, and that's definitely something that, that I had considered. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it's, that's pretty, that's a, that's a case. It's gutsy. That's gutsy to invest that much money and time, uh, and into something that you assume is going or, or are operating under the assumption that will more than likely fail. Cause I mean, they, I mean, you've got Salma Hayek, you've got Angelina Jolie, you've got an Academy award-winning director. Uh, I mean, they, they, there's no shortage of, of, I guess, moves to make, to, to think that they want this to be as successful as possible. And so, you know, so I, I think that, and, you know, that argument is shaky at best. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that they would deliberately, I think their intention was to make the best movie that they could. Um, and one thing I think Marvel has been really good at the MCU. I mean, Marvel comics period is good at, and it's better periods, but also the MCU is really good at is taking that weaker material and finding ways to work it into stronger stuff down the line. So like, I think even if the movie isn't very good, they'll find a way to work with that material, you know, and find a way to like massage it into something else. But, um, I don't, I don't think that they would only do it. You know, I think the intention every time out is to make a movie that an audience will enjoy. And it sounds like maybe they didn't quite hit the mark they were hoping for. It sounds like they took a big swing and it's not working for everybody, but honestly, that just makes me more interested to see it because it sounds, I would always rather see an ambitious misfire than like, you know, I think we talked about this with Halloween, right? Like, then like the most perfect snooze fest ever made. I mean, just um, like, yeah, if just, I mean, and that's something that you had discussed. Um, I can't even remember at what point, but just like sort of the almost cookie cutter by the numbers, uh, you know, formula that these Marvel movies have, have taken. You've, you've personally have gotten a little bit tired of it. And so the idea of something that doesn't fit in that framework, that sort of, uh, sort of flexes its, its muscles a little bit is intriguing because, you know, we're, you know, good or bad, we're going to see something, we're likely to see a Marvel movie, unlike a Marvel movie we've ever seen before. Right. And that, that to me is really exciting as a fan of the brand, um, who, and a fan of, of thoughtful or, or hard, hard to accomplish filmic goals, I guess, or artistic goals, like ambition that isn't always, uh, doesn't always pay off, but, uh, just, just for its own sake, I think it's pretty great. Um, so I'm, I'm still really excited to see it. Like I'm genuinely excited. Um, and I did enjoy the comics more than you did. I think more for the big ideas that they were advancing than for any of the, I don't really care about any of the characters, like, and I'm hoping the movie will do some to rectify that. It's got a pretty good cast. So I'm, I'm hoping that yeah, the cast is great. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't care for the character. The ideas are great. The ideas are fantastic. Uh, I just, based on what we read for this episode, the stuff that Kirby wrote and the stuff from the 80s and 90s, 
I didn't see anything that really um, took those ideas and made the most of it. And based on what I've uh, read about the current, uh, uh, the the current uh, ongoing, mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember the writer's name now. For, uh, it's Kieran Gillen. Uh, based on what I've read on, based on what I, <clears throat> based on what I've read of Karen Gillen's current ongoing, they might have, they might've done just that. They might've finally sort of cracked that code. And if anybody could do it, Gillen could. (laughs) And made these characters, these, you know, nigh unknowable, omnipotent, immortal beings that uh, are humankind perfected and and can't die in in any normal sense, uh, relatable and interesting. Yeah, I'm 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 really excited to get into the the Neil Gaiman on forward era and see what um, some of the more recent writers have been able to do with it. I, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm excited. I'm interested at least. Like you know, as a comic book I, amateur comic book historian, uh, I am definitely. I and I also I'm not gonna lie. I love the idea that there's so little of these characters that we can actually within reason take in their entire history i mean we're leaving things out for this arc but like it wouldn't be that hard to track down the stuff we're leaving out you know like to me as a as a collector as a hyper fixator like there's something very appealing about that idea no yeah there's yeah there like i said i mean even x like even if you include everything like you said we've uh we mostly stuck to like we did read um that that storyline in thor that you had that you that you mentioned but we mostly stuck to the Eternals titles, you know, proper, uh, didn't really read uh, guest shots and Avengers or all that. Um, but even including those, there's not even 200 issues that they no. really factor heavily into. And so, yeah, I mean, like it, it'd be, there's something intriguing about that. There's something interesting um, about that. And uh, so it's going to be, It'll be interesting to see how they play into, you know, they haven't been able to really uh, crack the code in comic books. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if, they, if they're able to crack the code in the, in the cinematic universe. You know, they are already, they already introduced uh, Ego, you know, Kurt Russell's character That's in right. Guardians of the Galaxy as a celestial, which means that Peter Quill, aka Star-Lord, aka Chris Pratt, aka Super Mario, <laughs> aka Garfield, uh, is half celestial. So they've already sort of, uh, you know, uh, planted hinted, some of those seeds. Yeah, planted some of those seeds, hinted at that. And so it, it it'll be interesting to see if they're if they're able to pull that off. Um, I mean critically uh, uh, you know if you look at the reviews now you could argue, you could say that they they weren't able to pull that off but um i don't know maybe this will be maybe we'll make this two for two on critically underappreciated movies that i still stand by i don't care what anyone says about halloween kills that is one of the best horror movies i have seen to date i I, I stand behind it. I think it is uh, underrated. And I also feel like, and this, again, we haven't seen the movie yet, so I can't say this for sure, but I do feel like I'm not the only one and I'm, and there are other voices that are more vicious about a little bit of this Marvel backlash. So I think that to some degree, the 
I, I feel like Marvel got a pass on some things earlier and now they're getting hit harder than they should be on other things. So it's sort of, um, because there's no reason Thor the Dark World should be fresh and rotten to this. I'm just going to say that, uh, you know, uh, but I haven't seen Eternal. So I may see it and be like, you know what? Everybody else was right. But you're right. And but yeah. I, I will eat that crow. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I have no skin in this game. Like I, my life, you know, or like, you know, I, my life is only better in the fact if, if Eternals is good, my life is only better in the fact that I got to see a good movie. Right. You know, like I don't wake up with a you know brand new car in my garage, you know, <laughs> with, you know, uh, you know, uh, gold the coin. Tannin, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, you know, my life isn't, isn't better if this movie is good or bad. And so, you know, there's no reason for me to, uh, to apologize for it or to make excuses for it or to bash it, you know, for, for no reason, uh, which I think uh, that's, that's something that, that a lot of people get wrapped up into is this sort of, uh, and you see it everywhere nowadays in this sort of like tribalism, you know, like, uh, you know, I see it, you know, in, in politics, I see it in, in, in comic book fandom, I see it in wrestling fandom, you know, that we've got a, we've got a newish company that is, uh, that is a uh, solid, that is a, definite competitor to WWE in many respects. And so it's starting up that sort of uh, like ratings talk that was all the rage when, when WCW was around. And, you know, I was like, I don't, I don't care. You know, I'm glad that, you know, that, that if AEW gets good ratings, which means that, you know, that they're able to, you know, create more content, but I don't care that, you know, that they did more than WWE. Like, what does that mean for me? What is, yeah, that means nothing to me. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah. It, what, what we want is just more good stuff to enjoy. Exactly. And so, you know, if, uh, if this movie being good means that we get more, you know, uh, you know, uh, outside the box uh, comic book movies, Marvel comic book movies. Great. I'm all for that. If this movie's bad. Oh, well, you know, I'll still, buy my ticket to spider-man no way home yeah, and my exactly. ticket to dr strange and the uh, multiverse of madness i'll still buy those tickets and you know buy my popcorn and you know enjoy myself for two and a half hours and then leave the movie theater into uh my meaningless existence <laughs> until cthulhu <laughs> takes me into the void yeah all these movies are a distraction from the fact that one day we're all gonna die screaming and on that note my name is sergio and mine is Sean. Be kind to yourself and to others. <laughs>